Hey guys, we've got to that point in the show where we need to start depending on listeners like you to help keep this thing going. What are we, fucking PBS? Oh yeah, you know it. I'm LeVar Burton. I wanted to be LeVar. Fuck. All right. I caught it first. Yeah, I'm hosting we... Jeopardy. <laughs> are you though? Listen guys, we, we need your help uh, to help keep the lights on as they say. Uh, we are launching our Patreon for Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yes. And we have uh, different tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to, just like PBS. Um, you get some different real cool gifts and prizes and merch, uh, depending on the tier that you sign up for. Oh, we got all the tiers. Oh, yeah. You Back. can either be a friend it, of the show, a oh. friend with benefits. Ooh. We just we could start to get serious, or you could just put a ring on it already. Yeah. Ooh, damn. And if you uh, if you exceed that amount, uh, you know we'll send you some not safe for work picks if, if you want. <laughs> it's not safe for your eyes picks in my case, but <laughs> not safe for anything right. picks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, check out uh, patreoncom motcu. Uh, take a look at well, all the different tiers that we're offering. Lots of cool. Uh, swag coming your way from stickers to t-shirts to getting to pick the film that we uh, talk about. Yeah. The yeah. tears started at a dollar. A dollar a month. Come on, what? folks. That's it? Yep. One buck to get in on that on that number one tier. And All with right. that, you even get the live chat with us anytime you want, as well as a shout out on every episode. Right. So, come on. That's less than a cup of coffee a month. Jesus, what a steal. Yeah, guys, right? check it out. Again, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. And then enjoy this week's movie. Welcome back to Masters of the Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe, and with me, as always, are Doug and Eric, and we are uh, just the three of us today, actually. Oh, yeah. It's about time. I mean, we've had a lot of fucking guests Yeah, recently. we have had a lot of guests, and we've got a lot of guests coming up, but oh, yeah. uh, it's still it's always nice to settle in with just the, the original gang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially on a Doug episode. <laughs> we don't want to torture any guests. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put my foot down. I need you guys to stop picking on Doug. See? See? I have my, I got my bodyguard. Yeah, man. Hold on. If there's only three of us here, and you say you guys, and Doug's obviously not picking on himself, <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're singling me out of here a little he's bit. He's trying, trying to, to drop be a subtle clue. General, yeah, yeah. He's pointing right at you. So a little bit of the the sausage factory of how this shit's made. Um, <laughs> on just surprise me, Doug wasn't on the last episode, which is kind of odd since Doug's like the only person who's reliable. <laughs> <laughs> I had some but, family commitments. But uh, somehow myself and, and William and uh, Mr. Andrew Walsh from the Great White North were on that episode. And uh, I don't know how we got onto Tombstone, but <laughs> Will, Will was talking about how I fell asleep during the recording. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, I may have said the episodes that me and Eric do are more fun. And then Doug pretended to be pissed off at me until I had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I had him going. I strung him along for a while. I thought... I I smelled- thought- I was the shark to smell blood in the water. He, he gave me the slightest hint. Joe gave me the slightest hint that he was actually nervous, that he pissed me off. So I, I sunk my teeth in for a little bit, but I let him off the hook. Well, you That's know how old people are. They get pissed off at the slightest get, fucking thing. Get off my fucking lawn, dude. Pretty much, yeah. 
I'm so glad that you had a nervous breakdown. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, I was worried. I'm like, fuck, the only reliable person, and I just pissed him off. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Not because he likes me, just because I'm reliable. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I was yeah. like, fuck, I'm supposed to share a hotel with this guy in August. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That could be really fun. Listen, yeah. in defense of Doug and Tombstone, because this comes up too often, we were recording I want to say until three thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah. That's we start. True. We didn't even start that episode until almost twelve thirty or one. Yeah, that was a double. That was yeah. one of our early doubles. You're right. And, and also, it was quite kind of a fun episode. We just like talking shit because that's what we do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I think that's one of the reasons why we ultimately decided to stop doing those doubles because it's it just yes. got to be. It was unfair to whoever was leading that second episode. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yep. But no, it's all good, man. I love you, Joe. You don't have anything I to worry about, too, guys. Right. And then, and then we're also actually starting episodes early. It's like only fucking eight o'clock right now. This is know, like the it's earliest we've ever started. Here. <laughs> yeah, it's still daylight. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, so, what's new, guys? What is um, new? Uh, go ahead, Eric. Well, the timing is not going to work because you know I can't. You know, just because of the way they're released. This plug is not going to do any good, but <laughs> <laughs> this weekend I do have uh, a convention, a comic book convention. Mm. Uh, it is Central Florida Comic Con in Lakeland, Florida, and nice. uh, it's a nice, like, mid-sized convention. It's it's going to be not as big as MegaCon. If you're familiar, it's like, you know, MegaCon is like Florida's San Diego Comic Con. Like, it's huge. That's the one in Tampa? Uh, that's in Orlando. That's in oh, Orlando. Wow. MegaCon. This one is Lakeland. It's it's uh, you know, small guest list, and the guests are, are like your C level kind of people. You know, you're not getting your William Shatner's. You're getting like your Ming Chen's from Comic Book Men, and you know, the the heavy guy from the Power Rangers. <laughs> oh God, you got the fucking heavy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting bulk. Oh, you know what I'm saying? So it's a uh, it's a nice like step back into the world starting to open up a little bit. Not too overwhelming. I just mean um, like. So that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be fun, man. That's really it for me. What's uh -oh. yeah. is Joe I'm getting yelled at by his Joe wife? Thought he was muted, but he wasn't. Yes. Um, no, I turned my mic off, but for some reason the fan and power carried through. Oh yeah, it still stayed on. Yeah, uh, we didn't. You didn't say anything. It's all good. Um, yeah, and I, and I also edited it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> cool. That's no, true. Leave it in. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'll just mute my channel during that. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah. Hold, hold so, on, Eric, though. You said it's in Lakeland, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it, is it this, like, this it weekend is. as in today and tomorrow or next weekend? Uh, next. Yeah, next. Okay, man. I'm going to tell you just because, um, Lakeland has the most, like, one of my favorite places to eat. You really need to go check it out. It's called, uh, Fred's Market Restaurant. Oh, okay. What are we looking at here, Fred? Well... It's 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 an all you can eat place, which I know usually means poor quality food, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but in this case it doesn't. Um, it's like a southern style restaurant where the guys like they have like this old like southern granny that cooks this food and they they bring oh, it out man. onto the thing and like it comes out of like the kitchen in like pots and pans you'd find at someone's house. <laughs> like, yes, that's a sign of a good restaurant. The fried chicken is amazing. They okay. also have like they bring out this big big pot and it's just brown liquid looking the gravy and but when you when you fish around it there's actually like homemade salisbury steaks in the gravy oh wow Damn. um 
the dessert, like the dessert bar, they'll make like fresh cobblers and stuff, and then scoop ice cream out on top of the hot cobblers. You make me hungry. See, look, yeah, if right? you got an old granny and you got like some mismatched uh, dishes and oh, pots and pans, it. that's a good restaurant. They got Nine greens, okra, cornbread. I mean, everything you think from southern, like southern food, it'll be yeah. on this buffet. And it is just ridiculously good. And if you get the opportunity to, you really need to eat there while you're there. Oh, man, yeah, I'll check it out. There used to be a place like that around here years ago. It was called Buttermilks. And it was, like, built out of a defunct strip club. Um, God damn, that food was so good. Okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Lakeland. Fred's. I'll, I'll, I'll message you the, um, the address and everything. Please do. Joe, what is new with you? Um, let's see. What is new with me? Um, uh, really, same same old shit as always, honestly. <laughs> I, <don't remember> <laughs> uh, I dented the rim on my car, which kind of pissed me off. I heard about uh, it. I hit a pothole just driving down the middle of the road, and it dented the inside of the rim. And Holy now shit. it's slowly leaking out air, so I'm trying, to get yep. that, I'm trying to get that fixed. No one will actually fix the rim, though, because they're a bunch of assholes. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about trying to do it myself. But I'm probably just going to end up buying another rim. Well, if you're going to buy one, I'd try to fix it first because if it doesn't work, you're going to buy one anyway, that, right? That's kind of like the plan, yeah. Um, you know? What else is new in my world? I got some pedals to build, but a um, couple couple random orders came through. Uh, oh, that's cool. Honestly, my, my life's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> I watch a bunch of TV, and, and that's yeah. about it. I go to work and watch a bunch of TV. Sometimes no, it's cool. a good thing, man. You know. You're right. Yeah, yeah. like things are a little and too pissed dog off. And pissed off. Yeah, and exactly. Pissed, yeah. Get me aggravated. I spend yeah. a lot of my time editing podcasts. <laughs> you do have a lot to edit, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and then, oh, the damn Memorial Day threw me off because I, I didn't realize that I lost Monday in the shuffle. So oh, like, I normally have like three days before I need to have just surprise me out, and like yep. Wednesday I realize, oh shit, it's Wednesday. I gotta get this out. <laughs> Yeah, I know the feeling. I mean, yeah. not the editing part, but the losing a day part. Yeah, so. Well, at your age, it just happens. Well, yes, that's there's no question about it, dude. Um, yeah. Anything um, new with you, Doug? Yeah, I mean, what's new with me is what last weekend was cool. I uh, we went down to New York for Memorial Day weekend to visit my son John and his wife. New Anna. York. Exactly. Um, haven't seen them since my oldest son's wedding last August, so it's been a while since we saw them. They had uh, moved since we saw them last, too, so we got to see their new place uh, on Long Island. That's cool. And just hanging out. My cousin Scott, who's my best bud on the planet Earth, um, we've known each other since birth, so <laughs> um, we, we do a lot of hanging out. He lives on Long Island, too, and he usually comes up a few times a year, but that's obviously been... Not allowed. So he he he's uh, he came by. Also, he spent the whole weekend with us. So just like being with family, man. It was like, there's nothing better, you know. Um, I got to have New York pizza, which I haven't had in a while, and we even ordered from a you know a diner, which. So you like, mean you had pizza? No. Well, yeah, exactly. I had exactly. what everybody should call because pizza. Anything else yeah. isn't actually pizza. No, that's 100 percent true. This shit was amazing. Um, and some like real live garlic knots, and then uh, oh, we also ordered from it from a Long Island diner, which you know di- diners can be good in a lot of different places, but they hold a special place in my heart because most diners on Long Island are open at least till two, if not twenty four seven. Yeah. So there were a lot of you know bar hopping, drunken nights, <laughs> 
finished off in a diner somewhere on the island and just to be able to order and get that that typical diner food you know that greasy but delicious diner food was uh, a lot of reminiscing and, and, a, and a nice full belly so yeah it was a cool weekend we had a good time Man, between the two of you, I am so fucking hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, because um, this Thursday coming up, me, you, and Will from Just Surprise Me are going to Hollerbox. Excellent. Yes. Hollerbox with the uh, Just Surprise Me boys. Man, we're having to cross over. Yeah, don't let me forget to get one of the asparagus pins. I need one of those, too. Yeah. Because I've, I've got the wieners and I've got the pretzel. This may surprise you, just surprise me, but I uh, don't get my own stuff unless I go to the restaurant and ask for <laughs> That's kind of, <laughs> kind of fucking funny. <laughs> that is funny. That's uh, very funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's cool. I'm glad you're going to get to hang out, man. So what you're saying is you're not quite famous yet. Not quite. No. Just almost famous. It almost is all famous. happening. It is all happening. Only almost famous. There is no Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's today's movie uh the 2000 movie by mr cameron crow called almost famous um i picked this one because it is in my top 10 solidly in my top 10 and uh, we joked about tombstone before because that's also in my top 10 but this movie i know more than tombstone like dialogue and just everything unless uh, um, it's the version that we were doing well, that's true. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to explain that. So <laughs> we had a little cross-up with, uh, with the version of this movie that we were going to watch. And uh, there's a theatrical cut, which is two hours long. And then there's what Cameron Crowe dubbed the bootleg cut uh, that he included on the DVD, DVD's release, which is like two hours and 45 minutes long. So it's almost three hours long. Now, um, Doug, you, if you knew anything about me, you knew I was going to have a bootleg cut. <laughs> Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> in every sense of the word. <laughs> Figuratively and literally, this was a bootleg cut. Yeah, guess Speaking which, of which one was did in you our watch, Google Drive. Did you watch Cruella yet? Because I have a bootleg version of that. <laughs> and it, it's actually you know, really good. It's funny. I mentioned my cousin Scott earlier, and all I'll say is you two have a lot in common. <laughs> okay. You, you share a lot of uh, of your uh, of your ways. I'm just going to leave yeah. it at that. But Hopefully um, they also share a VPN. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep, I'm I'm downloading from a Middle East country like Morocco. Nice, excellent. <laughs> I, I um, and, and just so everyone knows I'm not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I know Morocco's in Africa and on the west coast of it. This is an inside joke. There you go. There you go. So yeah, Joe mentioned the bootleg cutter. I mentioned the bootleg cut. Joe mentioned a different version. Um, I was talking with with the boys off air. Um, it, it really, it actually threw me. Uh, I I can only describe it as it it made me feel off balance. <laughs> all day watching this movie because I know all the dialogue and know all the scenes by heart and this extended cut not only has added scenes it's not a typical re-release that he just adds deleted scenes back into a movie the director he there is altered dialogue in almost every scene in this movie in the bullet cut so things I'm waiting for them to say they don't say or they say them slightly differently it's a really odd version and it was cool to watch. It didn't take away from the movie. I can understand why you trimmed it down if you watched the theatrical cut after or before or know it. But it flows. It's, it, they, the, the deleted scenes or the added scenes don't like stick out like sore thumbs. 
that that can happen in a lot of of those you know type releases. So, I get um, I get why that would be frustrating for you though, especially as somebody who loves this movie, because I can't imagine like popping in one of my favorites and having it be like drastically different. Yeah, like that would I've really only, throw me for a loop. Exactly. I mean, I've only seen the bootleg cut maybe twice. Maybe. Yeah. I want to watch the the version of Idiocracy called Idiocracy Now Stupider. <laughs> okay, well, that <laughs> with makes like sense, extra scenes. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, it was it was it was interesting. I'm glad I watched it. And again, I I, I definitely I appreciated what Camera Crow did with the dialogue changes and stuff. Um, I do prefer the theatrical release, but you know, it's cool. We watched this one, and I really did enjoy it. So. Um, so yeah, so I mean, let's get rolling here. So, uh, movie was released on September twenty second, two thousand. Um, I saw it in theaters. I don't know when, but I know I did at some point. You know, that fall of that year, my wife and I went to see it. Um, even before I really knew everything about it, what drew drew me to it was the the soundtrack. I mean, it might be the quintessential sixties seventies soundtrack movie of all time. I mean, it's a, pretty. A it's pretty damn good. Rock. Um, a, yeah. Ironically, I, I don't know why it's made me think of this, but uh, the movie Cruella also has a very good soundtrack that's really? almost all 60s music, 70s music. All right, cool. Because cool. as I was watching it, I was like, fuck, this is a good soundtrack. Nice, yeah. Yeah, I don't have I don't have the direct reason to watch that like you do, Joe, with the no, kids. No, but no, no, no. It, actually, it wasn't a kid's movie at all. Oh, it was, really? It's really good. It's very okay. it's about a very narcissistic person. Um, oh. And it's it's kind of it's an origin story for why really? she's such an evil person. Oh, that's interesting. All yeah, right. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I just put it on because, yeah. like, why not? Right. But, but like, I was I was very surprised by how good it was, and the soundtrack was phenomenal. Like, cool. it was a ridiculously good soundtrack. I'll definitely I'm, check it out. Um, I'm going to share it with you on Drive. Don't worry. Cool. What's her, what's her name again? The actress? Um, Emma it's Emma Stone. Emma yeah. Stone. I, mean, I love her and anything she does. So I, I'm sure I'll dig it. My wife and I'll watch it. So. Yeah, it's Emma Stone and Emma Watson. That's why it threw me off. Oh, I don't remember right. which the two Emmas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah. So almost famous. Uh, it's written and directed by Cameron Crowe. It is semi autobiographical about his early early years writing for Rolling Stone because he started off as a music writer and critic. Um, he hung out with all the bands back when he was young, and we're talking like. 18 and younger, you know, thereabouts when he started doing this stuff. Um, so, yeah, Cameron Crowe, I mean, he wrote Fast Times, at, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He wrote, directed Vanilla Sky, which is also a uh, favorite of mine. Uh, Jeremy oh, Wire. I love Vanilla Sky. Yeah, Vanilla Sky is a really trippy movie. And the original is even better. It's in Spanish, so you gotta, you got to do the subtitles. But um, it's, it's a great movie anyway. Um, and uh, Say Anything, the John Cusack flick, which I also... It, it, it's a great teen movie. Like, so... So, you know, Cameron Crowe's got, got some pedigree. So I, I, respect, I respect him and I respect his work. Um, we talked about the soundtrack. So this film featured over 50 classic rock songs. And the, the budget, the music budget for the movie was $3.5 million, where, according to what I read, the average uh, music budget is about a mil, mil and a half. So it, it still wasn't enough for them to leave Stairway to Heaven in. I know, Exactly. Exactly. They had, they had to just have uh, lyric references on T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, to to get it in there. But so uh, yeah, it wasn't only cutting band members off T-shirts. Right. Yes. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, just the, the general synopsis of the movie. It, it, it's about a a young uh, writer, 
you know, still in high school. Um, he loves writing about music, loves music. And uh, he he follows a, uh, you know, a medium level uh, rock band in the, in the early 70s. Um, so the band we're talking about, and we'll get that in more details, called Stillwater. Um, so they have original songs in this movie, too, even though the band doesn't exist. Um, and those songs are actually written by Peter Frampton, who's got a small part in the film, Cameron Crowe. And he was married to Nancy Wilson of Heart at the time. So they all co-wrote mm. the music for this. Um, Mike McCready, the guitarist from Pearl Jam, actually played like Russell's leads on all the music that you hear in, in the movie. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad they didn't let uh, old uh, Eddie Vedder sing. <laughs> I know, right? Because <laughs> I, cause love Jason, his voice, I can't imagine God. Jason Lee sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Potato pancakes. Did you say potato pancakes? I don't uh, know. Did he? He might <laughs> have. He very well could. That could be the only words he says. We'll never know. Um, yeah. Uh, so, again, before we dive in, the roles of uh, Russell Hammond and Penny Lane, two of the main characters. Originally written for Brad Pitt and Sarah Polly. Um, Brad Pitt was honest with Cameron Crowe and said, listen, I just don't get this movie, <laughs> so it's not going to work. And uh, Sarah Polly was doing her own thing. Uh, she was actually uh, writing and directing a movie of her own, so she had to back out as well. But I think, you know, um, Billy Crudup and, uh, and, and, and uh, yeah, you know her name. Uh, oh, my God, I'm losing my fucking mind. Sorry, <laughs> Kate Hudson. Uh, they did a great job. So, um, all right. So let's dive into the movie. Um, it opens up with a really very cool um, title sequence. It's handwritten. <laughs> so the uh, the director, the writer, uh, you know, the the main stars, their names are written in pencil yeah. on a, on a piece of paper, and it's actually Cameron Crowe writing that um, for it. And in this version of it, in the bootleg cut, when they get to the title. Instead of almost famous, he writes untitled. He called the bootleg cut untitled because he wanted to call the movie untitled, but the studio wouldn't let him. <laughs> so he had to name it almost famous. So on his version of it on the DVD, he called it untitled, and that's why it says that when he writes it. I, um, I enjoyed that sequence, and I think that that's getting ripped off a lot by a lot of other movies now where they're doing some similar things to that. Yeah, yeah. But... The one thing I do really like now versus back then was when they start doing it post-movie. <laughs> I didn't like it before the movie. I'm like, fucking come on. Right. I need mean, four minutes of him writing names on a paper. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I, I do. I like the little inside joke when he's writing Francis McDormand. Oh, he spells yeah. her name wrong and erases the I and puts an E. Because <laughs> that's a common thing that she has to deal with. Yeah. Um, so it was cool. I got to imagine, um, too, like if you're the movie studio, you love this shit. Cause this yes. Is the absolute cheapest title sequence you can do. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. exactly. It was super cool. Like I said, I just wish it was after the movie. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, yeah, because from this, we transition into the movie proper, where we've got a sort of a, a montage scene. We, we first hear uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, yeah. the Christmas song, so we know it's Christmas time. Um, we see scenes in Southern California, which we'll find out is actually San Diego, and it's 1969. So you see a Santa wearing shorts and, you know, like board shorts and, and such. Just very Southern Cali, you know. Yeah. Um, out of a movie theater, we meet a very young William Miller, played in this part of the movie by uh, uh, David Angarano. Um, he's been in a bunch of flicks. You'll know him if you see him. But he, he he's an adorable little kid in this movie. Like, <laughs> 
his facial expressions in his short time in the flick are fantastic. I absolutely love him. Um, and we meet his mother, Elaine. Uh, she's play, played by Frances McDormand, one of the great actors of our time, in my estimation. Um, you know, as, as proven by her multiple Oscar wins and such, the woman's a genius. Um, they're leaving a theater after seeing the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, interestingly, Cameron Crowe, he has a, bit, a great affinity for To Kill a Mockingbird, the book and the movie, because he references it in multiple uh, films of his. Uh, Vanilla Sky being the most prominent. Um, to Kill, scenes from the movie play a prominent role in Vanilla Sky. Um, so he, he keeps referencing this. Um, Elaine is cool. She's, she's soliciting her son's opinions on the movie's characters. So you can see she's like focused on his education. She wants to see how, you know, make sure he's developing properly. Uh, so she's asking him about the different characters and he's giving his opinions. And they're very thought out, well thought out opinions for a little kid. You know, he's 11. We're going to find out. Um, this is one, this is the first uh, make me off balance scene because when they're talking about that, she stops in mid sentence and looks at a shop window where a guy's painting Mary Xmas. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> she corrects, she goes, I'm a teacher. And there's no such word in the English language as Xmas. It's either Christmas. We either say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's only in this cut. That doesn't happen in the theatrical release. And I, and I say, shut up, bitch. <laughs> exactly. He goes, oh, oh, okay, thank you. Um, so it was interesting. Um, we transition to the Miller house. Uh, we see her frying up some soy chops, which I just told yeah. you. Oh. The very thought of it grosses me out. This so. bitch is the original Karen. Yeah, yeah, she she's the the yeah she's the the like patient zero of crunchy granola. Yeah. No question. Um, so yeah, her so um, as she's cooking these soy chops up, um, her daughter uh, William's sister Anita, played by uh, Zoe Deschanel. Yep, who a did very it, who young did Zoe Deschanel before who? people really knew who she was. I well, mean, yeah, that's because her big breakout role was Big Trouble. Exactly. Yes. Oh God. Go. Yeah. Like a year later, she really fucking struck gold. You're right. Exactly. It was the, wasn't this. It was that. You're 100% correct. 100%. That was her biggest yeah. role ever and probably ever will be. Yeah. So we've got a clip queued up, which basically is going to uh, define the family dynamic of the Miller household. So, Joe, roll it. What you got under your coat? It's unfair that we can't listen to our music. It's because it is about drugs and promiscuous sex. Simon and Garfunkel is poetry. Yes, it's poetry. It is the poetry of drugs and promiscuous sex. Honey, they're on pot. First it was butter, then it was sugar and white flour, bacon, eggs, bologna, rock and roll, motorcycles, then... It was celebrating Christmas on a day in September when you knew it wouldn't be commercialized. What else are you gonna ban? Honey, you want to rebel against knowledge. I'm trying to give you the cliff notes on how to live life in this world. We're like nobody else I know. I'm a college professor. Why can't I teach my own kids? Use me. Daryl says that you use knowledge to keep me down. He says I'm a yes person and you are trying to raise us in a no environment. Well, clearly, no is a word Daryl doesn't hear much. I can't live here! I hate you! Even William hates you! I don't hate her. You do hate her! You don't even know the truth. Sweetheart, don't be a drama queen. Fuck you! Hey! This is a house of lies! There it is. You 
your sister use the F word? I think she said feck. What's the difference? The louder you. <laughs> and again, his, his face um, during this is priceless. Just the, the, his reactions. He's, so, he was, he, he's a good actor today, but he was such a great actor as a kid. Um, absolutely loved that, that reaction. The letter yeah. you. And he points. <laughs> I can't imagine a world where I would get in trouble for listening to fucking Simon and Garfunkel. I yeah. know. Imagine yeah, if that bitch heard music today. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, and that's it. That's like, you know, yeah, we didn't listen to that kind of stuff when we were kids. Is the, See, this, is the running theme in life, and yeah. This reminds me of like the late '80s, early '90s, like when they tried to ban Two Live Crew. Yeah, of course, it's the same. It's that. It's that late '60s generation of that. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, because you know, she, as as a Miami kid who was a fan of the Miami Hurricanes during that time, you know, Two Live Crew really, you know, spoke to me. I I completely get that. I I don't get it because. They never spoke to me, but I get it, Joe. <laughs> I mean, you don't like hits such as Pop That Pussy or Me uh, no. So Horny? No, no, I, I have to say Wait, that. that's Simon and Garfunkel, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is the poetry of drugs and promiscuity. I mean, it's Luke Skywalker. Uncle Luke Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> that, that was his name. <laughs> Come on. This is a Star Wars thing. You should love Two Life Crew. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I'm Doug, I'm gonna get you a when you right, come, pick you up from the now airport. Now I know what's gonna happen. Now I know what we're playing. When I pick I you up from the, the airport, airport, we're gonna be listening to "Band in the USA." <laughs> Holy shit! That's great. If you want to prepare yourself, just look up two live crews "Band in the USA." All right. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we could again. We, that that clip described the family dynamic. There, Elaine is a little off the hook <laughs> in her thought process in on raising her kids now. We obviously know, you know, we don't know why yet, but we know that, you know, the, her, their father, her husband is not in the picture. So she's a single mom and she's doing the best she can. No but wonder. A, you know, she's a college professor and, you know, it, she might not have everything right in any case. So do, do we ever find out what happened to the dad? Yeah. He, he, uh, William mentions it to Russell when they're ta- when, right before they go to the party in Topeka that his father died of a heart attack. Oh, yeah. That bitch probably fucking killed him. Yeah, there you go. He couldn't um, take her no more. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we transitioned to uh, school. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, the exterior shots in the school are where our Cameron Crow's alma mater. I think it's University of San Diego High School, it's called, or something like that. Um, there's a scene in the boys' room where, you know, the camera's panning along a bunch of boys, you know, they're uh, grooming themselves in, in in the mirror, trimming their mustaches and fixing their hair and stuff. And, you know, we get to William and he's looking at himself in total confusion because, you know, he's got, he's, he hasn't even hit puberty yet. So he's got nothing going on and he wants to be like them, but he's not. Um, this is where uh, another additional scene that doesn't exist in the theatrical cut. We cut to William in the shower at school after Jim and, some of the other kids come in and start, uh, you know, busting chops about him not having pubes. And um, he is funny. He goes, no, I had pubes. <laughs> I cut them off. Yeah, I shaved them <laughs> And off. the kids actually thought he was funny. But, you know, they still picked on him. Um, so Later pubes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he gets called pubes. But, again, th- this wasn't in the theatrical cut. So, he, you know, he leaves school, end of the day, and uh, he gets in the car and, you know, Mom's driving, and Anita's in the passenger seat. 
and he makes some comments about you know how he's uncomfortable because he looks so much younger than everybody else. Anita knows the secret that we're about to find out, so she tells her mom, it's time. You've got to tell him now. Pull over and tell him. So um, he thinks he's 12 because he knows he was skipped a grade to get into middle school. I think he skipped sixth grade or something, or skipped fifth grade, went from fourth right into middle school in sixth. Um, but Elaine lets him know that she had previously skipped him a grade way back when. So he's actually 11. <laughs> So and he's 11 years old. He's going to school with 13, 14, 15-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's completely freaked out by this because, you know, he, now he knows he's got like a couple of years to wait before he goes through puberty and, and, and everything. And it, it just, you know, it mortifies him. Um, Elaine turns around and looks at him and says, your father was so proud of you. He knew you were a predominantly accelerated child. And then Anita asks her mom, what about me? <laughs> and Elaine's comment is absolutely brutal. You are rebellious and ungrateful of my love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy shit. That's like, that's like a bat to the back of the head to a teenage girl. Um, and that, you know, we transition to our next scene with Anita packing the car with her, her boyfriend's car because she's leaving. Um, she's moving, she announces she's moving to San Francisco and she's becoming a Sturtis. Yep, she's leaving on a jet plane. Yeah. So, you know, right before she's ready to leave, she, she grabs William by the shoulders, and uh, she says this to him. So play that clip, Joe. One day, you'll be cool. Look under your bed. It'll set you free. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, she is leaving to, you know, the tunes, the sound of Simon and Garfunkel, which was cool and appropriate. I really wish they would have picked a different song. Why? I wish they would have picked, if you're going to San Francisco, make sure you wear flowers in your hair. Because <laughs> I, I don't think, maybe you just didn't want to get that literal, I think, Joe. I don't know. <laughs> Or like, because someone says, you're going to San Francisco. I was like, say, make sure you wear flowers in your hair. Come on, please, somebody say it. <laughs> I fucking love that song. That's a great no, song. A, yeah, it is a good song. Who's that yeah. by? I don't remember. I feel like it's one of those one of those type of bands. Maybe Peter, Paul, Mary? Yeah, probably something like that. Or, um, uh, what's it? The, 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 yeah, I don't know. Scott McKenzie. Oh, okay. Some guy. <laughs> really? That's All it? Right. That's it. <laughs> Wow, guy. I would yeah. have never guessed that. I would have thought it was going to be uh, <laughs> something else. <laughs> nope, yeah. just old Scott. You know, well, it's good old Scott McKenzie. <laughs> yep. like, I, yeah. I guess they couldn't get the rights to his song. It was too too famous. Right, exactly. Um, so a couple of things. So Anita says, you know, reminds William that one day he's going to be cool. That's a theme in Cameron Crowe movies. A lot of Cameron Crowe movies. He his his main characters, his his protagonists, generally are uncool people either directly tagged as uncool like in this movie or you know implied as uncool because yeah, that's losers yeah well that's how he felt growing up he was never yeah. one of the cool kids um so yeah and then she tells him to look under his bed for a surprise um he goes the next uh scene he's in his bedroom he finds a bag full of records in under his bed from anita i mean all the best pet sounds and and i can't even remember 
There's Led Zeppelin 2 and, and the Jimi Hendrix album and everything. Yeah, there's a lot of good albums. A lot of there. stuff. A lot of great stuff. Um, she get He gets to the last record in the, in the pile, and, and it's the Who's Tommy. Um, he opens this up. It's a double album. He opens it up, and he finds a note inside from Anita that says, Listen to Tommy with a candle burning, and you will see your entire future. Um, William reads that, and he does exactly that. Lights that candle, starts listening to Tommy. Um, which is cool because it makes a nice transition as the music is playing from his bedroom at age 11. And we next see him now. It's 1973. He's in high school and he's 15. And um, he's too young to fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, this is another added scene that drives me fucking nuts. Um, that whole outside scene with the sign does, is not in the theatrical version. Of you this. know. I'm glad we watched this version because those are like my favorite scenes. The scene where he's talking about shaving his pubes off and that he's too young to fuck. Oh, no. And again, I like him. I, 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 I get it. I love this bit because, yeah, he exits, you know, he leaves school for the day and everybody's sort of like high-fiving him and he's wondering why. And like he turns around and sees the school billboard that says William Miller is too young to drive or fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like he's still eating shit. It's four years later. He's still eating shit. You know? But they all know his name. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like his so, attitude. Like he, you know, he he's smiling as he walks away. Like he takes yeah. everything in stride. This oh, he's gonna get the last laugh anyways, cause uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. old old uh, Vicky Valancourt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that, that girl's the devil. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we are now at the local radio station. Um, and we meet for the first time uh, the editor of Cream Magazine, Lester Bangs, who was a real person. Um, he died at a young age of an overdose, which is kind of ironic because yeah, Seymour Hoppin plays him, and he died at a young age of, of an overdose as well. Um, rest in peace. I, I yeah, love, hit a little too close him. to home on that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's in there. He's with the DJ who's on the air, and he's <laughs> Lester's ranting about you know the state of rock music. He's like... He's trashing everything because he's a yeah. he's a critic. That's what he does, you know. Um, he trashes everything. This is also an extended scene. It's weird because the scene exists in the theatrical cut, but there is a lot more dialogue in this version of it. Um, he trashes a lot more. Um, I do like his comment about the doors. Uh, Jim Marson was a buffoon because I hate the fucking doors. <laughs> so I, I appreciated that very much. Yeah, it was um, good. You know, um, we see William watching this take place through a storefront window. You know, the radio station's on a street, and you can look right in and see it. So, the the one thing I must say, though, and this is important, for anybody who actually records anything, you cannot be that far from the microphone and have it pick you up. Oh hell no! <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't authentic. There's no question about it. You got to be on the mic for yeah. it to pick your voice up. He would have been a voice in the background mumbling, and nobody would have heard what he said. It would have been like this: like if I was over here talking to you guys right now, you could barely hear me and make me out what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's yep. kind of there, but it's not the same as if I was sitting right here. Exactly, exactly. But he got his point across. Um, he he pops on, he puts on Iggy Pop, and the DJ's like, "Isn't that a little early for that?" No, come on. <laughs> you know, so uh, he he leaves the radio station, and he and William um, start to talk. It turns out that William has been sending Lester a bunch of his stories from the school newspaper and other things that he's done, and Lester digs his stuff. You know. He's kind of he's a little surprised at how young William is. He didn't expect that, but he digs his stuff. He likes it. He sees the passion in William's writing. Uh, so they have some conversations. Even that seems a little extended from the theatrical version. Um, they transition from walking and they end up in a diner. And uh, we're gonna ro- we're gonna roll this clip. It'll give you a little bit of uh, 
their relationship as well. So I hate it. So. You know, because once you go to LA, you're gonna have friends like crazy, but they're gonna be fake friends. You know, they're gonna try to corrupt you. You know, and you got an honest face, and they're gonna tell you everything. But you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Okay, if you're gonna be a true journalist, you know, a rock journalist. The first number get paid much, but you will get free records from the record company. Nothing about you that is controversial, man. God, it's gonna get ugly, man. They're gonna buy you drinks. You're gonna meet girls. They're gonna try to fly you places for free, offer you drugs. And I know it sounds great. These people are not your friends. You know, these are people who want you to write sanctimonious stories about the genius of rock stars, and they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. You know, because they're trying to buy respectability for a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb. You know, and you're smart enough to know that. And the day it ceases to be dumb is the day it ceases to be real. Right? And then right. it just becomes an industry of cool. I, I mean, I'm telling you, you're coming along at a very dangerous time for rock and roll. I mean, the war is over. They won. 99% of what passes for rock and roll these days, silence is more compelling. And that's why I think you should just turn around, go back, you know, and be a lawyer or something. I can tell from your face that you won't. I can give you 35 bucks. Give me a thousand words on Black Sabbath. An assignment? Yeah. Yeah. to make your reputation on being honest and uh, you know, unmerciful. Honest, unmerciful. Yeah, if you get into a jam, you can call me. I stay up late. I stay up late. <laughs> yes, he stays up late. I love that line. Yeah. Um, I dig the whole thing about that. I, you can you can see and hear the respect that Lester has for William, even as a young writer, because um, he wants to help him do it right. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a conversation that that you know we've had. It happens throughout the generations. About the, the I just like how jaded he is about fucking people selling out and shit. Yes, exactly. Like how how like nah, man. It's not about the music anymore. It's all about selling out. <laughs> To but be cool to the music. He's totally right, man. And you can, like, it's a genius performance. Like, you can feel this guy's passion 100%. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. You yep. talk to people yep. like this in the record store and shit. Like, you know, if you meet a music person and you get them going, like, it feels very authentic. Yeah, it's kind of like a conversation I would have with somebody who's a Star Wars fan. Yeah, it's similar. <laughs> it's similar. Except there, here's a key difference there is uh, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I see. Han Solo's a oh, bitch. Sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't even... I, I, can't, I can't even respond to that. Yeah. No, Han Solo no is still a bitch. It's so... It's just so inaccurate. Like, it's not even in the universe of accurate, so it's not worth responding to. Not at all. You know? No. So... <laughs>
<laughs> so yeah, um, no, I've had this conversation because you know I grew up in like the punk rock scene and shit, and everything's fucking telling everyone else how they're sellouts all the time. I, yes. I get it, hundred percent. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the I'm better than you because I didn't make a bunch of money. Right. Yeah. So technically, yeah. I am better than the band I was in because I quit before I sold out. <laughs> good point. Because if I would have stayed, I would have been sellouts. Like, I, I don't really think they're sellouts. I think they're fucking decent dudes. They did yeah. a good job. But, but just yep. for the sake of this argument. But yeah. I was going to say, like in, in punk rock and stuff, like it, that conversation always got a little silly. And it got a little, yeah. you know, it was a shallow thing to say. Like, oh, you know, a band like The Offspring or Green Day, like they sold out. It's like, yeah. th- this feels different. This feels more genuine. It's like, I love this art form so much. Yeah, yeah. And what makes it special. And they're sucking life out of it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So, in any case, um, Williams got his, his first assignment from Lester. He's going to give him 35 bucks for a thousand words on Black Sabbath. And this is $35 in 1970s money. Yeah. That was about $45. Exactly. Hey, for a 15-year-old kid, man, living at home, that's not so bad. It's almost like today's Canadian conversion rate. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So we now transition because uh, Sabbath is playing um, in San Diego that night or the night after, whenever it is. Um, So, you know, William's mom, Elaine... Drives him to the concert. God, I hate this fucking bitch. <laughs> it's a great scene. I, I I think she's great. I think she's so fucking great. Um, he would. gets out. He I know. He gets out of the car and he's walking away, and she can't help herself. In a crowd full of teenagers going to a Sabbath concert, she yells out, "Don't do drugs or don't yeah. take drugs." Yeah. And, uh, the kids oh, just so turn funny. around. Don't take drugs, okay, mom. <laughs> And he just like, like walks off like don't realize that that's my mom. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, it's hysterical. And uh, so William heads around back to the backstage entrance because he's you know he's a journalist. He's a paid journalist now, so he he's completely entitled to get inside and interview Black Sabbath because that's what he's been told he has to do. Yep. Before um, you go on, I, I want to take a second to pause here because I forgot to mention this earlier, especially in the San Francisco scene where she's leaving. But the cars in this fucking movie are great. Aren't they? Because oh, she's yeah. getting that Camaro SS at that point in time. But then the yeah. mom's got that fucking old Woody wagon. I know. I know. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I love I love 60s cars and yep. early 70s cars. So, like, it, it really spoke to me. And it just made me think about that when you said, like, she was in the parking lot there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it, man. The, the VW bus later and everything. Yeah, it's all yeah. cool. There's yeah. a lot of cool vehicles in this, in this, uh, in this yep. movie. Now, Joe, I, I know you said you hate this woman in the movie. This is oh. a scene that kind of, like, she won me over a little bit. Because prior to this, I was not a fan. Like, she's, you know, she lied to him about his age. Like, that's super fucked up. Yeah. She's, she's, you know. But the fact that she, like, overcame all of that and took him to the concert. like Yeah, it's because she didn't want him to leave to fucking San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I'm sure that was she, part of it. You know? She like, learned a lesson. She did learn a lesson from Yeah, I got to choose my battles. Life. But you can see also, how hard it was for her, man. She was like, fucking every fiber of my being is telling me to run away from this place. But Also, she saw the sign. He was too young to drive himself, and he's not going to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so he gets down to the backstage door. The security guard opens up, and, you know, he's not on a list, so he immediately gets, sh- he gets shut down, like cold. He gets told the security guard tells him, wait up at the top of the ramp with the other girls. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, he, he actually does head up and, uh, you know, he starts hanging out with the girls. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's funny because, you know, he, he has his preconceptions about who they are. You know, he yeah. considers them groupies. And he gets uh, dressed down pretty quick. Uh, he gets an instant education on, uh, you know, the fact that they're Band-Aids and not yeah. groupies. They don't, they don't sleep with them. They just give them blowjobs. They just give them blowjobs, <laughs> yeah. Because Penny Lane set the rules. Um, uh, you know. We, see some some uh very attractive girls that are uh i'm assuming actually over 18 even though their characters aren't yes exactly for the purposes of me calling them attractive there are actually yes. the actors are over 18 i mean kate hudson on a pack when i know um, yeah, young I, rogue I, I, mm. yes exactly <clears throat> exactly um and we get our very first of of a, of a line that we will hear many times in this movie um it's all happening um, it's said by a multitude of characters in this flick, and uh, I believe it's Anna Paquin who says it the first time. She gets out of a car um, yeah. and, and runs up to Penny and says it's all happening. Um, just, uh, just then, uh, Sabbath actually arrives in their limo, so they drive down the ramp towards that stage door and, and garage door, um, and the girls run after them, and William runs after the girls. Or Actually, Penny grabs him and pulls him down there. Um, he, for a second time, tries to get in with the girls, and it's not happening. The security guard shuts him out. Penny promises that she'll do something, um, but he's pretty dejected at this point. Um, he's standing there kind of mopey, um, and, sh- you know, right then a beat-up old tour bus pulls up and out pile uh, the guys from the band Stillwater because they are the opening act. They're an hour and a half late, <laughs> so they got to get inside pretty quick. Um, they're knocking on the door waiting for a security guard, and William decides just to chat him up. You know, he'll, he's turning on his, uh, you know, his writing skills, and uh, he's, he's uh, schmoozing the, the boys to try to get in. Uh, so, Joe, why don't you roll that clip? Oop. Wrong mouse. Yeah. journalist. I write for Cream Magazine. Oh, the enemy. A rock writer. Right. Well, I'd like to interview you or somebody from your band. Look, I'm sorry, but could you please fuck off? We play for the fans, not the critics. Freddy! Russell, Jeff, Ed, Larry, I really love your band. I think the song Fever Dog is a big step forward for you guys. And you guys producing it yourselves instead of Glenn Johns. That was the right thing to do. And Russell, Russell, the guitar sound is incendiary. Incendiary. Way to go. Well, hey, hey man. man, don't stop there. Hey, I'm incendiary, too, man. Come on, 
I love it. Yep. I love it. Um, their manager, Dick, played by Noah Taylor, being an absolute dick to him at the start <laughs> of that whole thing. Apparently, he, uh, he's a method actor, and he stayed in character the entire time on set, and it drove everybody fucking nuts. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. He's a bit of a dick. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a cool interaction where he sort of wins them over with his knowledge of the band. And uh, they're looking for the admiration, so they'll take it from wherever they can get it. So, you know, they yeah. immediately pull him in. Looks like he's um, not sleeping with them either. He's just sucking their dick, too. <laughs> exactly, in a different way. <laughs> in a metaphorical... Um, it's I, it's funny. I've seen it. I've seen the movie so many times that... I know in the theatrical version, the security guard ends up getting locked up, locked outside the door. He I got locked remember. out in this one. He did. Yeah. He did. I didn't know if there was change in this one, but yeah, he gets locked out. No, he gets locked out. I was laughing locked at out that. this time, so that's pretty cool. Like, who's Freddy? Who's getting fingered now, Freddy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, so... Uh, Who's got the white LeBaron? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep cut. If you haven't watched that movie, that's a good one. Which one is that? Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's got the white LeBaron? <laughs> Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah, that is that is a super deep cut. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a great movie, though. We might have to do that one day, too. So can we, yeah. can we talk about Jason Lee? Because yeah, I, uh, I was delighted to see this motherfucker. I love yeah, him right? recently. Yeah. And this is still like Jason Lee before he like really uh, yeah, did this like was, the My Name is Earl bullshit. Yeah, yep. yeah. This was early like probably still skateboarding Jason Lee. Yeah, this is yeah. like before he was full of himself, Jason Lee. <laughs> <laughs> this is pre-Scientology Jason Lee. Al- although speaking of Cameron Crowe in Jason Lee, Vanilla Sky's Jason Lee is one of my favorites. Yeah, he's a great character in that. And, yeah. and I use his line from that movie all the time. The pleasure delayer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yes. love that line. I know. Because you know. never can know how truly sweet sweet is until you know what sour tastes like. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely a movie I want to do also because I love that movie. Um, so, yeah, in any case, so William's in. He's thrilled. He's, he's on the inside now. Um this is another extended scene that's a lot shorter in the theatrical release. Uh, we, we get to meet, the uh, as he is listed in the cast list, the legendary Red Dog. Um, <laughs> he's played by Zach Ward, who played Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. Yeah. No that's fucking great. way. Yeah. That's the same guy? That's Scott Farkas, baby. Oh, Yellow shit. eyes and all. Yeah. Damn it. Yep. Um, Everybody's in this movie, man. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. the fucking all-star cast. Yep. And... Uh, it turns out he is the uh, the head roadie for the Allman Brothers, which is what this movie is based on uh, loosely. Um, Cameron Crowe traveled with the Allman Brothers early on in their career, and um, that's why the, there's a lot of Allman Brothers references. Greg Allman actually didn't like Cameron Crowe and kept calling him a narc, <laughs> which comes up later in the movie now, too. This may be a um, a Florida thing in particular. But I cannot tell you how many people, well, precisely how many women I have met who, um, who, the, who or not women, but people that are, like, they don't know who their dad is. Like, you know, growing up, they never knew who their dad is, but their mom always told them it was Greg Allman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to word what I said, but like, wow. I've met a lot of people who like, they're like, we don't know who my dad actually is, but my mom says it's Greg Allman. That's so Florida. That's yeah, so- <laughs> I think it's like a Florida thing. I've heard this from like, at least like 15 different people. Holy That's shit. That's so great. Yeah. 
But they all think Greg Almond's their dad. <laughs> That's fantastic. And they all think they're part Cherokee for some reason. That's like another thing. Like all, all four oh, yeah. of the white people think they're part Cherokee. I love yep. it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so William, he jumps in. I mean, he's supposed to do Black Sabbath, but he jumps right into interviewing the boys in uh, Stillwater. Um, he, he grabs Jeff Beebe, and uh, Jeff will take any opportunity to, to just talk about himself and ramble on. So he starts talking about the power of rock and roll and all that stuff. Um, once again, an extended cut. It's not in the theatrical release. Um, so at one point, you know, William is sitting by himself and he's, he's checking his notes and taking notes. And uh, Penny Lane walks up to him and they immediately hit it off. You can tell there's a connection in, on some level between the two of them. So here's a little conversation with him. So Joe, roll it. Thanks. I got in with Stillwater. Oh, Stillwater. Eighteen? Me too. How old are we really? Seventeen. Me too. Actually, I'm sixteen. Me too. Isn't it funny? The truth just sounds different. I'm fifteen. What's your real name? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Listen, Kate yeah. Hudson, uh, William uh, says he's 15. He looks 15. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kate Hudson is 16, and she looks 27. Oh, come on. She doesn't look that old. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought it's like maybe like 16, 19. But, but she does look older. All yes, I can think no about question. while watching this scene and knowing like what's coming up with her and in in the guy from this band is. <laughs> I know. They said me too a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. I was like, if this isn't like a perfect like example of a hashtag me too, I don't know what the fuck is. Right. Oh, I agree. Because he's and taking they, full advantage of this young girl. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, it's funny because obviously the movie's in 73, but it was shot in 2000 as well. So like, things were a little like, looser Like, this is some too. Benny Mardonis, like, she's yeah. just 16 years old, leave her alone, they say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a nice little flourish on the end there. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I will never record. Hold on, I gotta give credit where credits due. This is the one thing because uh, you know everyone knows I'm a Tom and Dan fan. This is the one thing that Tom and Dan actually cut out of their show was the conversation where Daniel was listening to "Into the Night" by Benny Mardonis and, and brings up this exact same point about did he just say she's 16 years old and then they. Somehow made the song into to Benny Mardone as being a pedophile dragon because he's gonna fly off with her into the night. <laughs> it, it, Eric, have you ever heard that that segment? I have, and the only reason I have is because somebody sent it to me, and I was think it that me? somebody was you. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's like yes. my favorite thing from that show, and they actually cut it out. Like they're always like, "Oh, we'll cut that out," and they never cut it out. They actually cut that out. 
So I want to make sure that credit went where it was due. But yeah, that's what I was thinking when when he said she said she's sixteen and this dude's coming. I'm like, it's Benny Mardonis. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty seven might have been a little, you know. She, no, I but think, I I agree with you. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, but so, but with that conversation, you can tell that there is a connection between these two people. Oh yeah, um, and it's instant. You know, she may be you know mentally and emotionally way more advanced than him, but she. She feels connected to him in some way um, before they even know they're from the same town. You know, it, it's yeah, it's it's special. It's definitely special. Look, so. I, I I feel for young William because I felt like I was a young William, where like you know, I'd be out and about and I'd be like, oh, this chick's cool as fuck, and like I'm gonna get with her, and like we're gonna have this thing, and like she's into me, and then she's really not even into me at all. Oh, she's yeah, like looking for me. some other dude, Please. and I'm just like, fuck you. That's the story of my life. And then the whole time, you're just like, you want to tell her to fuck off the whole time, but you never yeah. do because you're too much of a fucking pussy. No, so exactly. you're just like, maybe one day she'll like me, even though, like, dude, she's into this other dude that's way Yeah, you never better. know when to let go. I totally get it. Yeah, you just keep fucking, like, holding out hope. Yeah, fuck that, dude. I, I feel you, William. You're my man. My man. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we definitely, we, we, we just, we know they hit it off, and, and, I, and I dig that. I like, I like the dynamic of that. Of that. So, um we jump to a another you know conversation now between Russell and uh, and William, um, just about rock music. And this isn't in the theatrical cut, but I wish it was because I love it. Because Russell's whole thing is that you know he, he sums it up by saying, "Yeah, that's rock and roll. It's what you leave out." Because he has a conversation about how the mistakes in songs sometimes are the most important and. The most important part of the song that helps people remember the song. Yeah, and I really I dug that conversation because I completely relate to it. There's things, even go back like to the first time I heard a lot of Zeppelin tunes. You know that stuff was re- usually one take recorded, all in the same room kind of thing. And there are so many quote mistakes, but they're what make the song what it is. Yeah. So I completely connected with that. You know. Yeah. But what I what I don't get is the way he said it backwards. It's what should be what you leave in, not what you leave out, because. They're not leaving it out. They're leaving it in. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, wait a second. I'm like, he said leave out, but they actually left it in. So I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Yep. Um, yep. But like, but yeah. from, a, from a person who like learned a lot about music through school, when I hear what you leave out, it's important. I think of like the space and the rest of you take in a song. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. a, a lot of times, you know, people try to just jam too much into a song mm-hmm. and it's just let it be. Let it breathe. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you mean so yeah, like I that just, famous I, I, song "Let It Be"? Let it be. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a great fucking song too. Guns and Roses. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like my. Let Sorry, it Paul. be. Sorry, Paul, but Alex killed it. I just oh threw up my in God. my mouth a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this was the line that when I was telling my wife about this movie that I brought up, I thought it was the coolest line was when he's talking about the, uh, you know. Like like you said, the stuff, the mistakes, and he's yeah. talking about that woo in the Marvin the Gaye song. Yes, exactly. And the kid yeah. is so delighted because he's like, I know that woo. You know? Yes. <laughs> and you know what? That a reason I felt that should have been in the, in the theatrical cut as well is because that moment, um, Russell's respect for William went through the roof. Yeah. Because yeah. he knew he wasn't yeah. just a kid. He wasn't just a writer. He knew well, and he loved the music. So well, also, I, like, know. it sets up like for him to leave in all the aspects of the story, like of them. Yes. Like, 
Because the story of them wouldn't be the same without all the shit that happened, like without the the whole movie. Exactly. exactly. So like I feel like that sets him up to like say, hey, like when you write your story, leave it in, leave leave in the fucking warts and all. Yeah, I agree. It just I drove agree. me crazy because he said leave out, and he should have said leave in. Yes. <laughs> like, but I I loved what he said. He just said the word backwards. Right. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. Yeah. But yeah, it is. Right. It is like a perfect allegory for you know the whole rest yeah. of the the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know what? On that high note, since we're all we, that 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 scene meant a lot to all of us. It was a short scene. It meant a lot to all of us. Uh, it's time for a break. So uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna uh, check out for a minute, and we'll be right back, folks. So if you're uh, listening to Masters of the Cinematic Universe, you obviously love movies. Uh, I do too, because I host this podcast and. Um, my pedal company, 37FX, um, definitely has a movie theme. So if you're looking for really cool guitar pedals and the bonus of having some uh, fun movie themes, uh, hit up the website, 37FX.com. That's the word 30, the number 7.com. Uh, you can find things like the Fat Guy Little Coat Fuzz and uh, soon to be released, the Tombstone Treble Boost, both, both based on some fantastic movies. So... Uh, you know, hit the website up. We've got some great sound samples on there. And uh, you can also hit me up um, through Facebook or Instagram uh, with any questions you have. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 